As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, somehow it's out. Welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. The first Rugby Dungeon post-Romania. Before I get into everything else, thank you so much to everyone who listens to Egg Chasers. And I think I speak to the other two lads as well for... Everyone that came out and supported us in our first live show out in Romania versus Georgia. Fantastic atmosphere. Means a tremendous amount. Somehow, though, we've got to return back to normal life and continue to podcast. Which brings me to this, The Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And, of course, thank you for following us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Beardmore. This podcast is at The Rugby Dungeon. And, of course, the aforementioned egg chasers you can find at Rugby Podcast. Also give our good friends at Leo Vegas a visit. Leo Vegas are supporting this podcast and the Egg Chasers. This week, we have given our scoreline picks for Leicester versus Northampton. If you want to find out more about that, well, you can do it two ways. You can look up uh, our predictions on the on the podcast, Egg Chasers, or go on to leovegas.com, which is your better option. They are massively into rugby union this year you can find our predictions on there you can find the flats and shanks predictions on there go and have a look great guys really supporting rugby union and actually rugby union podcasts which is a uh, great mostly for me um okay today's interview is with sound sharks danny mugford if you don't know danny prior to this don't worry because by the end of this you're going to absolutely love him so here he is dan mugford <laughs> How are we, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you. How about you? Yeah, good, thanks. Tell me, do the sale players have a discount on uh, on coupe Mercedes? Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure you're all driving them. Yeah, a few of us have got them. Uh, a few of the a few of them in the uh, the big four x four GLEs as well. Um, yeah, we're, we're lucky enough that at one point we were getting some uh, quite nice deals, but um, unfortunately they've taken them away from us now. So, but yeah, well, at one point we we were all getting some nice deals to drive around with them and. Uh, and it was a bit. It was a bit cheap, so we all went for him at the same time. Nice. How have you enjoyed your first year up in uh, up in Manchester? Um, Manchester is a city. I've I've really enjoyed being here. Um, it's been a frustrating time having not played too much, um, and you know we haven't probably been as good as we wanted to be as a team. Um, 
as a part of sales. So rugby sides it's been enjoyable but frustrating um but i do i've really enjoyed living in manchester as a city it's a fantastic place and it's it's been somewhere actually that i've probably enjoyed living more than anywhere else that i've been yeah it is a pretty good place to live isn't it i, I sort of wonder why not more is made of that because as, as a rugby player what, what, what are your options really in the premiership it's kind of london countryside midlands uh or kind of newcastle here yeah it's it's it is it's um i think I never knew, I, I guess, I never knew too much about Manchester. Uh, and whilst I guess uh, the supporter base is oh quite... <laughs> I guess, you know, we don't get the biggest crowds in the world coming to see see games and and you don't necessarily get recognised ever or, or anything. But what is great about Manchester is, is just there's so much going on. You can go into the city and there's always things going on, but there's also countryside right on your doorstep. Yeah. There's nice kind of uh, outskirts of Manchester and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed being here. Well, London's cool because, of course, you know, it's the capital city, but it is very expensive. And even for a rugby player, you'd have to be living on the outskirts. Whereas Manchester, you can live the big city lifestyle and also be right in the city centre. Yeah, so, some are well paid. Not, not Some of us are not, not so uh, not <laughs> so fortunate. But yeah, that, and that's exactly right. Yeah, you know, you haven't got the um, you haven't got the, the huge prices that probably come somewhere like London and and that sort of thing. But you, at the same time, you've probably got enough uh, you know if not the same amount kind of going on and the same amount of uh, venues to visit or whatever else so I, I definitely prefer it to living in London I lived in London for three years I think it was who were you playing for then? I played for London Scottish did, did you? so, so, what, so what's your, your progression then? Uh, so I started off in the ex-Chiefs Academy yep. um, went there I was then offered to kind of carry on with them um, and go to Exeter University but I I kind of read into it that really they probably didn't rate me too much at the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were lads my age um, that were getting, that one, were, were going to get paid to be there and they didn't have to go to the university or, you know, they were they were starting to get involved more with the first team, whereas I was kind of not one of those guys. Um, yeah. So an offer came up to, to go and play for Cambridge in National One, uh, Cambridge Rugby Club. Um, to do you know do a bit of coaching for them and play as a pretty much as a full time player. So uh, me and uh, my mate Ben Spencer from from Ivorish College, we went up there and Ben. For those of you that don't know, is the guy who's going to be playing for Sale next year. <laughs> I cannot c- confirm or deny that. I'm sure you gave him a glowing reference of the club. Of course, of course. Um, you know, Ben's a great player and I think he wants to be playing. So whether he's looking at moving, uh, I'm not sure. But you know, I think it'd be. Um, I think if he was to come and he's able to play every week, I think it be, would be good for him. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see what, what ends up happening there. Who does the kicking when you two are on the same same team? I used to do the kicking. Did I you really? To, yeah, I used to. I probably... Um, I probably <laughs> yeah, we, we were both we were both probably just as good at each other at, at the time. and But I just used to take it and I was the 10 and that was my job. And There you go, sorted. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was great. And, you know, we went to Cambridge um, together um, and played a season there in National One, um, which was, you know, fantastic uh, to be able to be playing every week in, in an adult mm. side. Um, and we had a great coach there as well, which was a guy called Bob Crooks, who um, was, did a lot with Saracens Academy. Yeah. He's now doing stuff with the Chiefs Academy, I believe. Um and he was a really great coach to be under at that age. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we both progressed a lot there. Um, and then I was picked up by London Scottish, so we played against them in National 1 that year. 
and uh, they then got promoted last game of the season and, and they picked me up and, and asked me to come to them for the cha- in the championship. Oh, excellent. So were you in London Scottish when they were going through the rigmarole of getting the Scottish qualified players? Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't. So that kind of came as I left. So the first couple of years, um, the, so the first year I was there, it was the first year in the championship um, and they kind of did it part-time. Um, we had, there was a few of us that were full-time. Um, but they kind of did it with mostly the same squad and a few that they'd picked up from National 1 and yeah. playing against that year. Um, we managed to just about stay up. Um, in fact, actually, I listened to your uh, podcast with uh, Mark Atkinson. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the last game of the season was against his Isha side. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. So And they ended up going down and we, we stayed up on that game. So um, And then my second year, they that, that's when they started bringing in some, some Scottish, some more Scottish players and some ex-internationals and guys that were were um, Scottish qualified coming down from Glasgow and, and whatever else and, and on loan. So I didn't play much in that year, unfortunately, after a very good first first season with them and a, a strong, I think I was, you know, got player of the year and top point scorer, top try scorer. And in my second year, I think I only made three appearances. Is that so, right? Yeah. It, 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 is a, it is a brutal game. It is, it is. I think, you know, we signed, in my second year, we signed a guy called Phil Godman, uh, an ex-Scottish international I've 10. I've heard of Phil Godman, yeah. He, was he from Edinburgh? I think so, yeah. I think I think he played for Edinburgh. And, yeah, Phil was, Phil was a great player and obviously brought a lot of experience. I was still relatively young at the time. I still I think I was only 21, maybe. Um, and I think I probably didn't help myself that year. I was, I was still quite immature and I felt very hard done by that I'd... I'd probably exceeded everybody's expectations in the first year and and performed very well um and then I felt like I was just cast aside for him to come in and he didn't really have to prove himself and I was battling hard to be to be in there and playing and after the first few weeks of not being involved I got you know frustrated and and rather than just kind of keep working and keep quiet, I, I was asking questions or I was saying things that I potentially shouldn't have been saying. Yeah. Um, and, and that probably left me then out, out in the cold and, and not one of the favourites among the coaches. It's a difficult one as well. I, I suppose I suppose flying off is almost looked at a little bit like quarterback in the NFL, which is you've got to be a leader and you've got to be the all-around clean-shaven, you know, blue, blue-eyed boy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think it, they they do have a, a lot of similarities. Is you know the quarterback um, and the and the ten. So you know at the end of the day, it is a team sport, uh, and you couldn't do anything without the rest of the team. But you are kind of the one more calling the shots and and organising the game. Um, obviously, with the help from everybody else, but you know you get that pressure of if you lose you kind of feel that, that was your loss and if yeah. you win you kind of feel it's your win so you have to you have to kind of take everything with it and and be a leader among the squad and unfortunately I think that year I just kind of lost out on that yeah it was a difficult one because I've always thought that with fly halves I'm surprised we don't see more older fly halves because it is nice to be able to run really fast and tackle really <laughs> hard but is that really your main job it's I don't yeah I don't think it is I think I think at the moment the the fly half is kind of you're expected to do all that and have the experience yeah. and and have the the game management etc. Um, and you know, fortunately for English rugby, you got you know you got the likes of George Ford, Owen Farrell, uh, people like that who are so still so young, but they, they've got that in abundance. You know, yeah. they can they can do all of that. Um, and so you know, I think there are still a few older fly halves, and and you're probably 
I think see if there's two positions I think where you probably see older players it's probably in the front row and, and maybe at 10 because Definitely. you can't afford to you can't afford to lose a bit of the athleticism but your, your brain is still working just as quick yeah, so. well, I mean it makes sense so what if you can't kick it that extra five yards I mean you've probably seen everything before you know what they're gonna, you know I was talking Absolutely. to not to name drop but I was talking to Chris Pennell and he was telling me about like how the fullback likes to change the picture and they work as a back three and if you've got say 15 years of professional experience that's going to be pretty easy to read yeah, I think so. I think you know, I, I think when, when when you've been there and seen it all and done it all, and especially you know you're playing against players you've probably played against for the last five, six, seven years, you know what they're going to do, and mm. and so yeah, I think you know Nick Evans has shown at Quinns, you know I don't know how right old example. he is now, but you know he's absolutely killing it still, and and without him they're a different side. So yeah, you know I think he's he's a great example of that. Well, I'll give you a great one. I actually thought that Saracens played a little bit better when they had. Uh, Hodgson in, in at ten, and not maybe maybe not better, but certainly differently. Yeah, again, yeah, Charlie Hodgson's fantastic player, and he, he was probably never known really that much for his athleticism. You know, he, he wasn't he wasn't the biggest guy by any means. He never put in big tackles or run ran that fast, but mm. his brain just worked at a different level to everybody else's, and he was so good at leading the team around the field, playing chess almost with the opposition. You know, putting them there and then putting them there, and all of a sudden those gaps that that were created, and and you know, I think that's something again. You do learn that game management. The more you play. And the more you play against the same teams and the same coaches, the more you know what's going to come and the more you can think four or five steps ahead. Have you ever had the chance to develop under a more senior guy? I mean, I know you just mentioned like Phil Godwin coming in, but you always seem to have started pretty much wherever you've been. Yeah, yeah, I haven't really. Um, I've kind of, as I say, I went from London Scottish there. At the time, James Brown, uh, ex-Worcester fly half. Yep. Uh, James Brown was there that year. Um, and I learned a lot from from James we sat down every week and went through games um, and rather than just pick out clips or anything we'd literally sit through and we'd watch the whole game really? second by second stop it you know it took us hours but we'd do mm. it every every day off I'd meet him for coffee somewhere and we'd sit and do that and and I think that's probably where I'd learned my mo- like the most yeah is sitting with him an experienced guy who again he was you know he he'd admit that he wasn't the most athletic guy but he knew he knew rugby, and that's where I learned so much. Whereas you know, since then, really, I haven't been able to learn too much from other people that are sat in front of me. You know, this year, I've got AJ there, and and AJ's fairly new to professional yeah. rugby himself. So you know, we we do bounce ideas off him, uh, off of each other. But he hasn't had ten years in the Premiership or six years in the Premiership. So do you find the further up you go, the less room there is for development? Um, potentially, yeah. Potentially, you know, it's not. You're not probably. Uh, you're expected when when you're on the on the field or when you when you're performing to to be there and to know everything and to do everything. And, and if you make a mistake, it's highlighted. You know, mm. you make a, a mistake in the Premiership, and you're probably going to concede. Yeah. So it's it's one of those it's one of those things, and you know you do you obviously develop in training, um, but in terms of game time and which is where I feel that 10s will learn the most yeah it's a completely different feeling to when you're on the training pitch you know you can learn so much and you can do as much 15 against 15 in the, on the training pitch but it's a different it's a different thing when you're out on the field um, and so when you're playing every week that's when you're trying to learn and if you're not playing every week at the highest level in the premiership and then you know you make a mistake it's it's highlighted and and you probably don't get another shot so it's it's a difficult one it, I, I kind of agree with you yeah you're probably expected at, at the top level in the premiership to to kind of know everything and and go with it really so so what kind of things did you learn about your game when you were watching watching those old tapes back 
uh, mostly for me, for mostly I'd say it's like game management. That's yeah. that's my um, that's my main one. I'd I'd throw the ball around all day and keep playing and and just keep passing it. You know, it's it's about kicking at the right times, putting putting the pressure back on the opposition. Um, and yeah, I I like kicking. I love kicking the ball, and it's a it's it's a it's a great thing to to have to your game. But I also like running with the ball, and I like and I like I like moving with you know running rugby. But at the top levels these days, you can't really win games without that game management. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I've, I've tried to develop the most. I think over over the last few years, <clears throat> excuse me, is that game management, the understanding, and not just not just kicking because you're under pressure. You know, you might be five, six, seven points ahead and you might be on the front foot but it still might be a great time just to put that ball behind the opposition and go right now you get out of your 22 and, and see where you can see what they can do yeah I noticed uh, against Northampton there's a couple of times where you'd run a quite a complex pattern but it was almost to run that pattern to get into position to kick even though it looked promising it actually de- de- developed a really good kicking opportunity yeah and that is the, that is the thing you know the, be- the best times to kick uh, as, a, as an attacking weapon and to put the, the pressure back on the opposition is probably when you're on the front foot yeah, you know the defense isn't set. They're not ready for it. The fullback might be worried that they're gonna you're gonna run. The wingers are up because they're worried you're gonna run. And then you can just put it in behind. You hit the turf. It bounces into touch, or you're you're able to put a good chase on. So you know we we've tried to do that a lot. Um, John Callow coming in uh, with with Sale has, has really helped us in in a in a way that we can do that. We can look to run actually if it's now a great opportunity to put it in behind. We put it in behind and then we put the pressure back on the opposition. John Callow the. Is that the Bath? Is that guy from Bath? Um, I'm Once not sure. He, he was England under twenties head coach, I think, uh, for the last not for the World Cup just gone, but for the Six Nations before that. Yeah. Um, and he, I know he's done other stuff, kicking, coaching, and stuff with England. So yeah, he's he's got a good pedigree. I'm um, just making sure that I've got the right guy. Oh, Leicester. Yeah, same similar sort of thing. <laughs> isn't it? Oh no, Bath Rugby. There you go. Uh, Two hundred and ten appearances. <laughs> Someone knows their rugby. Eh? <laughs> Oh, excellent. So, so what's his role? I wasn't even aware that. Uh, uh, yeah, so he's in as a is a, a consultant kicking coach um, to help with our kicking game, to help with our game management. Really, um, he's been in now for for a good few months, and I think it's shown. I think it's really shown um, in the kind of turnaround of us of us winning games and and progressing and and you know, okay, some of our wins are still being close, but actually, there's there've been periods of of, of play. Where you know we've just not been under pressure whatsoever because mm. our kicking game has really improved and and just taken all the pressure off of us. Now, are you a fan of rugby league at all? I am. Yes, I am. I, I'm guessing where you're from originally, you don't get much access to rugby league. None at all. Honestly, I didn't know much about it until uh, until I started watching it on TV, and then since I've moved up here with a few of the league converts we've got, I've probably got more into it and and started to watch it more and more. Really. Yeah. Now, do. Th- do I make too much of the league influence in sale? Uh, no, we've definitely got, a, I think, a big league influence. Um, you know, the two two main coaches at the at the, at the side are, are both ex rugby league players, and you know we've now got two ex rugby league wingers, and they've they've been more come, kind of come through the ranks over the years. So I definitely think there's a big rugby league kind of feeling throughout the the, the squad. Mm-hmm. And how different are these patterns that you're asked to run? Um, I don't think. I think the. The things that I think the rugby league guys bring, and um, what I think I've learned more over working with them as to kind of a traditional, more traditional rugby union coach, is more of the the detail within phase play. Um, it's not just we're going to run 
these lines, it's like, right, I'm picking this guy to run at and then you're going to run at this guy, which will hold them here to then create space elsewhere, mm. um, which is something that is not necessarily, I don't think, done in many other places. It's, you know, we are going to run that and this is the play we're going to run, but we run it and we might run at holes more rather than people. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, we kind of run more at people and then if the defender drifts then we then we run ourselves or you know we've got to make make this guy step in on you um rather than just kind of seeing what was there and, and playing it so yeah i think it's it's very different um i think probably in terms of structures i think that's probably another point where perhaps potentially i've maybe preferred um other rugby union coaches where we mm. probably had a little bit more structure um, and I think that's something that, again at Sale we've we've brought in more of now this year um, is a bit more structure I think you know having Danny Cipriani around last year probably you know I think Danny's incredibly talented and and you know did it, is an incredible player and, and can just pull things out out of nothing and yeah. so to have no structure he was fine with that and he's he's so dominant and confident in everything he's thinking he knows that right I'm going here I'm going there and it doesn't really matter about structure. Um, whereas I think me and AJ have both found just having a little bit more structure, a little bit of knowing exactly where people are going to be um, has helped us bring that in. Where do you stand on structured rugby versus this free-flowing, only oh, Zealand just got great skills and they play whatever's in front of them, which I'm not entirely sure is true, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely, there's always an argument for playing what's in front of you, absolutely, no, no doubt about that. But I think... Um, and I think New Zealand, you know, you, if you watch them and you watch them closely, I think they, you know, they do have structures. They, the same players will keep going back to the same areas of the field. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, you won't find New Zealand most of the time with the guys all in half half the field. You know, they'll be spread out across the field. They'll be ready to play everything so that they can move the ball at all, at all times. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I'm a big believer in not too much structure. I don't like too much structure where I've got to hit this guy and then he carries there. Then I hit the next guy yeah. and he carries there. You know, absolutely play what's in front of you. But just knowing where guys are going next or that if that guy's hit that breakdown, he doesn't need to get up and run round and go 15 metres the other way and then not be used. He can just get up, drop back because that's where he needs to be in two, three phases time. Yeah, I can't imagine how hard it would be to get 15 lads to think in the same way, exactly, to react yeah. in the same way for a different circumstance. Yeah. And, that, and that is exactly right. And I think you know that's probably something earlier in the season, Sale uh, and, and myself and AJ, we, we felt that was pretty hard. You know, we were, we were trying to probably call one thing. We then had maybe an outside back calling another thing. We then had other players reacting off different things. Uh, and it was just a bit of a mess. We, we, yeah. we weren't really sure where everyone was going and where they should be going and it just turned into kind of us all playing in one half of the field and, and not playing particularly great rugby. So I think now that we've we've brought that in and and now that we have a bit more of an idea, you know, you still play what's in front of you, but now you have a bit more of an idea exactly where people are going to be and you don't have to overwork. Mm. You you can save some energy and then when you do get the ball, when the, when the ball does come towards you, you've got that energy to, to bring something to the game. Don't get me wrong, I, I'm all for the skills-based rugby, but actually, I prefer certainty. If you're going to give me one of the two, give me certainty. Yeah, I think I think that there are sides that play that way. You know, I think um, I think Pat Lamb very much played that way at Connacht is that, last is, year. Is that right? I think so. I think they're very, I think they were very much kind of a, a system where players players the same players will get up and go into certain areas of the field. Yeah, and then they will be like 
right, we're going here. Then we got there will always be options upon those plays. Yeah. But they'll and they'll hit the, the the same guy, and then he can have an option, and then they'll go the next. Then they might go back the other way. They might go the same way, but they'll always kind of have the same players getting up, going to the same places. Yeah. Which, so that is that kind of vaunted. I mean, it's fairly common that people speak in these terms now I think this season especially after Connick did it but they talk about the you know 2-4-2 two, two, um, across, yeah. across the field yeah that's and that's exactly pretty much I think what they do is the 2-4-2 is the two, two, and and not only that I think with Connick I think you know, I might be wrong I haven't watched them that much but I think they even went further than that to then say that you know the same players it wouldn't just be 2-4-2 two, two, it would be the same guy would always hold the width is and that the right? same guy would always you know the same in, the, in that four in the middle they might have two designated ball carriers and the other two would be have a different role and, and things like that. So the players didn't need to... It wasn't a, a case of, oh, I'm carrying. Oh, no, I'm carrying. No, I'm... It was like, right, this this well, guy does that. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure, you know, that let's do something similar. I'm pretty sure that yeah. they have, like, the carrier and then they've got a guy who is tasked with, with clearing out. So that's why they call it like, having ballast that wide I think yeah. although there's probably people who you know, watch Leicester and think that is absolute nonsense and, and sometimes you know I'm sure sometimes excuse me I'm sure that that if you do play those systems I'm sure there are also times within that system that you know all bets are off and, and you just play in what's yeah. in front of you but I know that I know for a fact that you know two four two systems and, and more structured systems uh, like Connacht they do tend to have a designated ball carrier same guys going to exactly the same places, you know. It, it, rather than off a set piece having just two two phases after the set piece being called, you know, they might have four or five where they know exactly where they're going. Yeah, well, it's interesting you know, because I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that Newcastle runs something really unusual because they have a Petty Fanua. Who uh, did did you play against him? I have played against. He's a monster yeah. of a man, isn't he? Yeah, I, I think we, I played against him. He played for Tonga, and we, I was playing for Nottingham in a pre-season <laughs> uh, friendly. And unfortunately, I broke my thumb trying to tackle him within about five minutes of the start of the game. So that's my that's my memory of playing against a Petty Fanua. Well, I think two years ago he's the heaviest player in the Premiership. Yeah, he's a big old guy. So he was, apparently because he he's such a, a monster. Newcastle actually play one a uh, one five three. Yeah, that, I mean that is interesting. I think it's. And again, it's it's you know if they've got a player like that that they want to use in that way, it's a fantastic way of of changing the the picture to what oppositions are used to week in week out. So mm. you know it will it will offer a different threat. So what do when you're looking at teams for the week um, the week commencing, uh, who has struck you as a more structured team, and who has stru- struck you as something more, a team that plays a bit more fluid? Um, I'd say Bath are pretty structured. Okay. Um, you know probably. People might not think that, but if you watch Bath and you watch them week upon week upon week, you see the same things kind of happening and the same the same people in the same places. And you know, I think they're playing great rugby, and I think you know it's, it's great to watch and it's, it's working very well. But I think they are quite quite structured, um, more unstructured. I'm trying to think, really. Um, again, I think Newcastle are pretty structured. I mean, I think most teams in the Premiership will have. That's so interesting. Like, that's so interesting that the teams that we consider to play the ni- the nicest rugby yeah. are actually the ones which yeah, are- and and it's you know it is they'll they'll still be playing what's in front of them. Just because you have structure, it doesn't mean that you can't be going from one touchline to the other. Yeah, it's just about knowing having the people in the right places. You know, Saracens are, are very good for their structure. They're very you know they're very. Um, committed to what they're doing so they have the same people in the same places the same areas of the field they know exactly what they're doing there's no you know there's no second thought 
there's one call they go with it they're in their position and that's what they, they play and, and then once you get in behind the defence and once you break the line that's when all bets are off that's when actually you know you can turn up on, on something that might not be within a structure and, and it's about then just reacting to, to each other around you that's awesome yeah I've, I've noticed that I, I think the game which they show that off in particular was against Toulon as yeah. soon as they as soon as they broke the line it was just over I think yeah. they got, got three tries in the first half yeah and it's about coming alive then it's about using your structure to break somebody down hmm. once you've broken them down a bit it's about coming alive and just reacting reacting to the defence and, and just you know giving it everything to get on somebody's shoulder or to offer a different option than, than there would normally be there uh, tell me this, how did you find preparing for the Wasps game because I know you had a little bit of a different role yeah, yeah, I think uh, that week we we very much played um, as wasps for the, the the kind of guys that weren't playing, and and you know some weeks we do we do do that, um, and and so that the the team for the weekend is is ready to to go out there and play. Um, but I think that that weekend in particular they they wanted to perhaps try some things against the team that weren't knowing it was coming. So yeah, you know, we 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 went to them. Um, with the stuff that we knew about wasps, and and then they they came back at us with their plays, and we didn't know what was coming. We we you know normally in training you know the play that they're going to run, and you know you can stop it. Whereas they had some new stuff they wanted to bring in, and and it worked very well, and worked again at the weekend. That must give you some fascinating insight, though. Yeah, well, you know we do a lot of analysis, and, and personally as a ten, I do a lot of analysis um, on the opposition every week, uh, no matter what. So you know you you obviously know. Um, what is coming in and when you're not playing you do you do run other people's moves and you do but I think that week in particular we practiced them a lot and, and practiced what was coming and you know there's some stuff that we use similar variations of yeah um, but then you know I, I was particularly that week trying to trying to act more like Cipriani rather than perhaps myself and mm. just to offer the, the 23 that were playing the, the, something that they were going to see at the weekend you know, so how do you act more like Cipriani? Do you hang around more with Nev <laughs> Yeah, I make sure I you know, put, put little chips over for Nev and, and <laughs> rub it on the head. And yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I, was, I, was, I thought I trained really well that week, actually, preparing some great dummies and making line breaks <laughs> left, right and centre. Excellent. Uh, so when you're playing centre, then, uh, do you have a sort of profile of player that you like to play with? Um... we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's hard. I mean, obviously guys that are going to make my job easy for one. Yeah. So, you know, forwards that are going to win me set piece. Forwards that are going to carry over the game line. Um and get me going forward because as a 10 that's that's all you want really you want to be going forward you don't want to be you don't want to be stuck with slow ball going backwards with a full defensive line in front of you thinking right I've got I've got to try and break this down or I've got to try and kick here and they've got the whole field covered yeah um so you know that first first and foremost is, is probably the most important um and then other guys that are just going to talk to you they're, they're gonna they're gonna make your job easy by telling you where the space is by by uh, calling a play mm. before you've even got the ball in your hands before you've even come around the corner or whatever they, they've got a play ready and, and everybody outside you is set up ready to go so you just got to get in there do your role um, uh, and move it on so you know I think they're the, they're the two types of player um, that I like the most um, and that I find make my job easier really So yeah so like for instance when you see someone like um, George Ford at the moment and he is playing with Owen Farrell outside of him. Do you see that as a huge boost for him? I mean, obviously Owen Farrell's a ph- phenomenal player, so anyone would like to play with Owen Farrell. But I mean, that kind of se- that that se- kind of second second playmaker. Yeah, I think I think that'll bring that'll bring two things. I think it will one take some pressure off in a kicking game. Hmm. So George knows that not every kick's got to come through him. He knows that if he needs to put the ball behind somebody. Um, it doesn't have to come through him. It can come through. It can come through probably four or five players actually in the England side. You know, Elliot Daly in there as well stepped up in these last few weeks and put balls in behind, taking the pressure off England. Um, and then it will also be because because Owen's um, played ten so much and he is more of a ball playing option at, at twelve. He will be seeing things. Um, you know, he'll have more time to see things before perhaps George sees them. So, you know, he will be that type of guy that's getting calls into George when, you know, George has just come into position you know, without even thinking he knows what he's got to do straight away. Um, and I think, you know, Johnny Wilkinson's touched on it in the, um, you know, for ITV and and in the uh, studio saying how the more ball players you can have on the field, it, you know, sometimes that can help so much. As long as you've got go forward, it can help so much because it's about playing chess with the opposition. It's about moving them around and, if you've got the guys all in there that are ball players and are able to understand that chess and understand exactly the the way you want to play the game, as long as they're all on the same page, you know the guy that sees it first, the guy that's got the most time to see it first, can get the call in. Everybody then can get on the page really quickly, and then bang, you can attack the opposition. Yeah, you don't see it as maybe stepping on your toes a little bit. I don't think so. I think, you know, I think if you if you start to think like that, you, you, you try, you're you're kind of going into you know, an individual sport and thinking about it, you're more important. Yeah. You know, I think the way George and uh, George and Owen work is is really working well for England. Mm-hmm. I think they're looking uh, really good in attack, and I think that the the best thing is is something that that works best for the team. And so, if you've got a player like that or a partnership like that that's going to work, use it. And and as a ten, you don't feel like you're you know, like you're taking something away from you. You're just happy each week to go out there and and play as best as you can. And it will mean that George is playing better rugby, perhaps than you know he he might have been if he's he's got all the pressure on himself to to have to create and have to do things all by himself. Now you started your career down in Exeter. Just give me some information about what that club is like. Um, fantastic place. It really is. Um, yeah, at the time I think. 
um, I was in the academy and it was at a time where it was still, well, my second year it turned into the Exeter Chiefs Academy. So before then it was the Southwest Academy. So, you know, Chiefs weren't in the premiership. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. So at this time they were kind of building to get in there. They took over the academy. So you, um, what were you, 18? Yeah, so 17, 18 um, in, in the academy. Um, but it's just a place that um, I think, you know, it's a great place to be. Every, everyone is, is very friendly and accepting, mm. and but then everyone also works very hard for each other. Yeah. Um, and there are certain standards that are expected, and if you don't make them, then it's not just, oh, yeah, you're fine. You know, everybody is accountable for everything they're doing. So, you know, whilst everyone is together as a squad and everyone will always, you know, do everything they can for each other, if somebody's not pulling their weight, they're told about it. And it's it's, it's a great atmosphere to be in. Um, unfortunately, I you know, I didn't get too much time in, in with the first team, but the, the time that I did, it was, you know, it was a great thing to learn from so early in my career. Yeah, yeah, because I'm looking at them now and, you know, they're in a pretty good place, say, last year when they're coming second. This year they've got, what, two young scrum halves, possibly three. Yeah. They've got a young fly half in, in Simmons. They've got his brother yeah. who looks pretty good. I just wonder, when is this going to stop? Uh, I don't think it will. I don't no. think it will. I think, um, you know, the Southwest has always been a, a hotbed for rugby talent. Mm. Um, and I think being the kind of the, you know, the, the nearest premiership side then is... Well, Bristol, but you know Bristol potentially gonna gonna be going down again potentially. Um, obviously, still meant a lot of games to play, um, and then Gloucester and Bath. But actually, you know, if you go right down to the southwest, they're the only Premiership side within a yeah. fair few miles. So well, it's that, the only professional sports team, isn't it? Uh, no, they've obviously they've got football teams. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So got like Brighton and um, uh, Port, Portsmouth. No, so right that's Portsmouth. Coast. Yeah, that's South Coast. But then Plymouth Argyle, Exeter City, they're all oh, professional. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but you know, I think the the Southwest always been big, big on rugby, hmm. and so you know when people are now playing rugby, it's not just our oh, play rugby and, and join my local team. They might join their local team, but the aspiration is probably always to then play for Exeter Chiefs. You know, they're the big Premiership side, the successful side, um, and then on top of that, the academy that they've got there is is fantastic, and what they do in going out throughout Devon and Cornwall. Um, and coaching kids and getting get and picking the right kids, I think yeah. that's the other thing. They're very very good at identifying talent, um, and I don't think it will stop. I think, like you say, you know, I've, I've so Sam Simmons is actually um, is actually the is goes out with my cousin. Oh, really? um, so yeah, Sam's but a bit, you, a bit, I mean, bit you're of all cousins down there. Aren't you? <laughs> but, yeah, and uh, yeah, that, I shouldn't have said that, but that's <laughs> gonna get me. So, yeah, but um, yeah, so Sam Sam's like family, so I've known for a long time that Sam. Um, could could easily be stepping up and playing in the Premiership every week. Yeah, because I've you know I've watched him play, and, and his brother Joe is is an exceptional talent. And there's just guys coming through like this all the time, and they just seem to keep picking them, and they give them the chance at the right time. They don't push them too early, and and they end up you know producing the goods. Yeah, I think that's re- the really impressive thing about them is they actually do give time to young guys, and not many clubs. I mean, I mean, Sale do do it. They do it in a different way, but I, I can't really think of many other teams that blood as many youngsters as as Exeter. I think Bath have done quite a lot of that this year, in, in fairness. Yeah, I think they have. I think they've, they've started to do it this year, and I think something that um, I think probably helps Exeter as well is they don't, with the young guys, they don't just sit them around and, and not let them play. They take the A-League very seriously, for one, so, mm. you know, they, they make sure they have guys, you know, I've, Pretty sure Michaeli Campagnaro's played in the A League a, f- a few Has times he? this year. Yeah, you know, I'm amazed that he doesn't out- start every yeah, week. Outstanding international for Italy, and 
you know, these young guys are then being able to play with him in the A-League. And they also go out on loan to the likes of Cornish Pirates, um, Plymouth Albion, Taunton for the young guys. So they're playing adult rugby and they're playing every week, which, as I said earlier, is where you're going to learn the most. Yeah. Um, and I think that really helps teams to, to then pick out the, the guys that are going to progress. So who was your original club? I actually played from for Exeter Chiefs youth section when I was eight eight years old. So oh, really? I went, I went right the way up from from eight uh, in the youth section, right the way up through into the academy, and and then left when I was eighteen, nineteen. Oh, so you, so, so you weren't busy playing for like, Penzance or something? No, no, not for me, not for me. I've been Chiefs Chiefs through and through, and uh, yeah, then had to make the hard decision to to decide to leave. Yeah, I, I bet that, I bet that was really tough, actually. It was, it was. But as I said earlier, it was. You know, it, it was. I, I realised that I probably wasn't in their plans, mm. um, and you know, I, I love the place. I still will watch them. Obviously, sale first and foremost. But if I, I watch extra of a weekend, you know, I've just watched them on the TV this weekend, and, and I'm rooting for them to win. And it's my home, so you know, I'll always have that, and I'll always have uh, kind of a loyalty towards them. You know, mm. obviously, as I say, sale first and foremost, and that's my job, and that's that's where I am now, and that's who I want to succeed with. Mm. Um, but that'll always be a place for them. Yeah. Do you know what, what the future holds for you next year? Um, yeah, so I've uh, I've recently been told that I won't be um, I won't be uh, at sale next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the moment I'm just looking at a few options and um, kind of seeing what seeing what is next really. I think, unfortunately, as I said, I haven't played much, um, mm. re- especially recently. Kind of started off the season playing a bit more and uh, and getting a bit more game time, um, but since then I haven't really played for for one reason or another. And you know, I don't think. Excuse me. Um, I I think it's you know I haven't got I haven't got a huge amount of clubs running after me to sign me straight away. So you know, I think I'm just just gonna keep keep working hard for now. Keep keep grinding away at my game. Hopefully, I get some more opportunities to play. Yeah. Um. And and hopefully something will will come up that that suits me and suits where I want to be taking my career so what's the process with this now do you get told directly that you're not that you won't be around next year or does that does that information go go to your agent uh this in in this instance it went to my agent um my agent was told uh he came over um, from france he's actually based in france is he yeah no it's um, just to put some some color on on this your agent is, that, is actually jamie noon yeah that's right yeah my agent's jamie noon ex, ex-england international how, so how do you get involved with a french agent Oh, well, sorry, um, French-based agent. Yeah, so uh, a friend of mine, Billy Robinson, I, I played with at Cambridge and then at Nottingham last year, uh, uh, actually put me in touch. I'm not sure how he knew Jamie at all. I'm not, yeah. not 100% sure, but he's, he put me in touch and said, look, Jamie is a is a, is a great, honest guy. He's based in France, but I, I talk to him every week on the phone. He's you know he's really involved. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll have a chat to him and I'll, I'll see what he's kind of saying. I thought, he, you know, the pedigree of a player, you know, he's an England international, he knows what he's talking about. And we have experience of dealing with agents, so mm. I'll see, you know, see what he's got to offer. And he's an honest guy that that isn't gonna isn't gonna bullshit you and isn't gonna lead you down somewhere to then disappoint you. You know, he, he tells you exactly how it is, and and that's what I want as a player. Yeah. Um, and I also found I've actually so not only does he help me with my game, but he's got um. He's got a good uh, a good friend that's not a bad ten as well. That's uh, I've had some advice from and some sessions with in Johnny Wilkinson. So that's been, <laughs> that's been fantastic for me. I as bet well. that is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, unbelievably cool. Unbelievably cool. It's um, where did you do, where did you do, do those sessions? So I've done, I've done uh, some kicking stuff down in down in London at Roslyn Park. Um, 
just on there because Johnny's based based near London now. Um, so just yeah, managed to get down there, and you know he's the type of guy that you can ring him at any time and have a chat with him, and uh, and and he'll help you however he can, which has been fantastic for me. That's incredible. Yeah. So okay, so how does a, a young player? Because you're only 25 now, yeah. and you've had to make a lot of decisions in in your career so far. How do you go about picking a, an agent? Did you like get you know your kitchen table full of uh, like agent CVs and decide <laughs> what services are provided and what aren't? Uh, excuse me. Yeah, sometimes that is kind of the way. You know that you've got guys that are saying, "Oh, you know, I'd like to excuse me, I'd like to represent you, and I'd like to represent you, and we can do this for you, and we can do that for you." Yeah. Um, and I was with an agent. Um, from kind of the end of my time at Cambridge to then look to like go to London Scottish, I was with him for a few years, um, and enjoyed my time with him. You know, he, he did very well for me. Mm. Um, but then when Jamie came up, I, I thought it was, I just I liked the fact that he'd been a player. I yeah. liked the fact that he'd been a player, not just any, but you know, he played for England uh, numerous times, and and I and I liked the fact that he didn't he didn't want to bullshit me. He he wanted to just tell me the truth and tell me how it is. And he's the type of guy, you know. For any reason, you haven't like you have no one interested whatsoever. You mm. just turn around and say, "Mate, at the moment I've got nothing, but keep working hard, yeah. keep doing it." And and you know, gives you advice that way. So, for me, that's what that's what drew me to him. Um, and and he's been brilliant for me uh, since since I've been with him. And and as I say, not just in terms of getting me contracts, but actually coaching me through making decisions, coaching me through. Yeah, a pretty tough time and not playing. I'm not yeah. used to that, you know. I'm used to kind of playing every week and uh, and helping me through through keeping mentally strong through it all. Yeah, and I think as well, um, you know, I remember, and not that in any way my experience is comparable to yours, but I know what an absolute idiot I was when maybe two or three years. In fact, now I'm quite <laughs> self-aware of what an idiot I am and the bad decisions that I make. I, at twenty, twenty-two, twenty-five. Having that guy who's been there and done that, even like the behavioural guidance is pretty important. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think it's really important. I think it is. I think you know, we we all, as you say, we all make mistakes. Mm. You know, and and like sometimes you act on on things that you look back on and think, oh, I wish I'd have done that, or you know, and and so being able to talk give, to somebody that's give, been there. Give, give me an example. Um, I think one time. Uh, so one one time my time at, at a club, um, <laughs> I ended up just getting in a pretty much a, a big argument over a over a, we we were we were reviewing a game that we'd just played, yeah. um, and I thought the outcome of what we'd just done was was pretty good, um, and we'd won the game, and he thought it wasn't very good, and and I was trying to put my points forward, and he was trying to put his forward. This is you know, in front of the whole team here. And uh, rather than just let it go and think, right, he's the coach and fair enough, I've made my points now and, and let it go, mm-hmm. I wouldn't let it go. And yeah. I kept going and I kept going and I kept going. Um, I, think we've all, I think we've all been here. Yeah, and, and I just couldn't let it go at the time and it ended up probably a bit a bit awkward for the other players and and ended up, you know, I, I probably, not burnt bridges, but just probably wasn't in his, in his good books for a, for a couple of weeks. No, but it's difficult. If you've got the, the you know courage of your convictions and you're pretty certain that you are right and you know you play in the position that you play in it, it, it is difficult yeah I think so I think I think that's definitely the case and sometimes you've got to be strong and you've got to you've got to keep going with it um, but I think in this instance I've managed to make my points and that was then mm. probably the time to stop <laughs> um, yeah but, don't scratch but, into his car <laughs> yeah but um, but yeah unfortunately just 
just kept going. So it is great to have Jamie there. You know, if I'm not picked at a weekend, I can ring him up and say I've not been picked again. I'm really disappointed. I think, mm. you know, I think I'm I'm doing everything I can to be playing. I want to be playing. Uh, and rather than get too down or rather than, you know, my head going in one way or the other that I wouldn't like, he's there, just pick me back up and say, look, it's fine. Get back on the horse tomorrow, train hard and, you know, you're in it again for the next week. So he's been really good for me. Good, solid, solid advice. So for you now, I guess the important thing is just to get yourself um, game time and actually get yourself some performances on tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, inevitably teams probably don't, um, really look at guys that aren't playing too much. Yeah. You know, they want guys that are playing week in, week out that, that they can see see what they can do. So, yeah, I, w- I want to be playing. First and foremost, I want to be playing for sale. You know, I, w- mm. I, I, I want to be playing here. I want to help sale to have a successful end to the year. Um, now, you know, if I am being a part of that and if I am playing, then, then that will help me um, going forward. But, yeah, I, I want to be playing rugby. And, and as I say, unfortunately, I haven't played um, much in kind of the last six months so you know I'm doing everything I can to to get picked and hopefully soon that will happen mm. and also with Jamie being in France is, is that a potential? Um, I've looked at it but um, it, it is but at the same time I've actually got Crohn's disease oh have you? Um, and I think I have to have um, treatment every eight weeks and Whilst it is an option, I think I can't speak much French. Bonjour is about as far as I can go. Yeah. And, and having that kind of language barrier and having a, a medical condition that at any time could potentially flare up and be quite dangerous, that, I think just, it could be quite hard. So that is, if I'm right, that is a bowel-based disease. And it, it's usually controllable, isn't it? And then you just, for no reason, it will just flare, flare up. Yeah, it, that's right. right so, <clears throat> excuse me, it's an autoimmune disease that um, attacks your bowel um and I have medication that that keeps it under control and keeps me keeps me healthy and able to you know live everyday life like like a normal person. Uh-huh. Um, however, there there can be times where you know for whatever reason I can I can have excruciating pain, mm. um, all sorts of other things, and it can also be very dangerous. You know, at the end of the day, your immune system is attacking your own body. It's yeah. it can kind of rip your bowels to shreds if it wants to. So it can be very very dangerous. Thankfully mine is, is pretty under control and, and I'm able to, to carry on normally with everyday life. So that is uh, so that pretty much ex- excludes France then? At the moment I think so, I think so, unless I all of a sudden can learn a lot of French very quickly mm. um, I think I'd be a, a bit worried about doing that um, at this at this kind of point um, with, with, uh, with the Crohn's disease Okay, so what is the hope for next year then? I mean, you're obviously looking for a club and obviously you'd want to stay in the Premiership. Yeah, I think I've got a lot to offer in the Premiership. I think, um, you know, I've learned a lot playing the Championship week in, week out. I mm. think I came to sale this year and and I think I've grown as a player and a, and a person this year. And, and, you know, I think I showed glimpses at the start of the year what I can, what I can do and, you know, I think... First game of the season and my first Premiership uh, game, I came on against against Newcastle and and we managed to turn the game round. My second game, I, I got man of the match and against Quinns and, and we won the game. And mm. I feel like I've got a lot to offer at this level. Um, I just feel I haven't really had too much opportunity to show that yet. Yeah. Now, um, did, sorry, did you get in, injured against Quinns? No, it was against Gloucester. I think in the about the third minute, I started the game in about the third minute. I went over on my ankle. That's right. Yeah. Um, so then was struggling, struggling with that, and I actually then hit my head 
again in that game um, and ended up with, with a pretty bad concussion. That's right, because Mike Phillips went to 10. Yeah, yeah. So I managed to stay on my ankle. I was, I was hobbling around a bit and not, not anywhere near 100%, but I knew we didn't have a 10 on the bench. I knew I needed to, to stay on and yeah. and play because Sam James was struggling with his with his hamstring at the time. And and then later on in the game, I hit my head and I, I can remember it was a, it was an evening game and the lights, I just can remember all I could see was like bright the bright lights and I had to turn to the dock and just say, look, I, I can't. I can't do this anymore. My head is, you know, it's not good, and I've got to come off. And unfortunately, I had to come off. And then, uh, and then Mike Phillips had to go to ten, which was uh, something we've never seen before. No, I've certainly ne- never seen it. I bet he thought he'd be quite good at it, though. I'm sure he would. I'm sure if you asked him, he probably thinks he played very well as well. He probably thinks it's the it's the best ten we've had playing all year. But uh, probably ever. Actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, I, lo- I love Mike and. Uh, yeah, his 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 banter is uh, is definitely uh, individual to him. I'm not really afraid to go up to any player and say, "Oh, um, you know, I'm JB. Would you like to have an interview?" I won't go up to Mike Phillips. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, he's a very good guy. Very, very nice guy. I think um, his reputation might might not be uh, too great, but actually, he's one of the nicest one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet, and and's got a lot of time for anybody. And you know, he is he is very funny and good at, uh, at joking. Uh, about himself and and about how how good he is, yeah. Um, but actually, he's got a lot of time for everybody. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd genuinely rather try and corner Steve Diamond. <laughs> yeah, no, I got I got to say honestly, again, Diamond, Diamond is, is pretty approachable. But honestly, Mike Phillips, he'd be good in here. He'd be he'd be a good interview and it'd be a good laugh. I can say that. So just to round things off, then you're just finishing your first year in the Premiership. You've played against or seen all the teams that are going to be involved in the top four. What do you think the top four is going to be? And more importantly, who do you think is going to win the Aviva? Um, yeah, I think in terms of top four, I think um, I think Wasps look look incredibly strong this year. Yeah. Um, and the strength and depth they've got there is pretty impressive. They play some great rugby and... Um, Cipriani, you know, at ten they're really leading things and Gopeth doesn't eggs, isn't he? he doesn't really miss a kick and he can play wherever they want him to at the time and mm. he's, he is incredible. Um so I think I think they'll they'll definitely be there. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they top it. Um and I think they'll they might even go all the way to the final, depending on who they get in the semis. Um Saris are obviously, you know, always there thereabouts this year. I think they've struggled a little bit more in this international period. Yeah, they have. Um, but then, you know, you look at the players that are that are going to that and and anybody would struggle losing those guys and, and the amount of guys that they lose as well. Um, so I think when they all come back in and they get some guys back from injury, because that's the other thing they've probably struggled with a bit this year is, is some injuries. Um, so I think when they come back, I think they're going to be incredibly strong and, and you know you'd be a brave man to ever bet against Saracen to think um, with the players they've got and the talent they've got in the squad. Um, who else is up there at the moment? Exeter, I think Exeter. You know the fight they have. That you know they might not have any you know too many big names. Obviously they've got a few now that are, that are coming now, up through. It, uh, let me ask. There is a conspiracy theory, and I'm I'm fully fully signed up. I I am convinced that clubs like Exeter, Sale, if you're not one of the big traditional clubs, you players don't get picked for England. Pretty much. Um, in case Eddie's listening, I'm, I'm not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. You know, I think, I think the England squad's so strong at the moment. It, it's potentially just the fact that it's, it's so strong that you know, the players that are, are getting called up, do they really have a reason to be getting dropped out of it again to then bring other guys in? Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a selector, and 
you know we've obviously got Josh Beaumont who's who's in training with England at the moment and and extra of, you know they've got Slady there Nolsey Cowan Dickey was in there for a while so you know there there still are players getting picked up from these sides so whether whether that is a thing I don't know maybe, maybe it is more appealing to be at a bigger side that are, that are talked about more that are potentially winning more but you know extra are doing that now so I'm not really sure extra have been doing it for years so I yeah mean, what second last year in the playoffs the year before were they playoffs the year before that? Um, I'm not sure they were the year before that I think they were they're a little bit further down but uh, yeah I mean I don't know maybe, maybe it's and you look at their, their pack as well I mean thought uh, Don Armand's a bit of a monster. Dave Ewers is an absolute monster. Yeah, Dave is uh, Dave's a great player. Unfortunately, Dave struggled with injury a lot this year. Yeah, Dave's that, that, that. very good friend of mine, and I think he, you know, he will be knocking on the door now. He's back fit and and ready to be uh, ready to be in that England squad. What is it? Just a coincidence? They have so many players who are English qualified but born overseas. I think it is. I think it is a coincidence. I think you know, I've no doubt Rob Bax is probably very clever with his. Um, with his recruitment that he knows that you know it's, if you're English qualified and that means you can get the, the EQP stuff and have mm. players in the match day squad or whatever but at the same time I think it probably is a coincidence Dave's come up through the academy um, with myself so you know he, that is just an absolute coincidence that he's, he's EQP and, and is actually born in Zimbabwe yeah because I'm thinking like Mitch Lee's Dom yeah, it, it, might, um, it might be something they look at I'm not 100% sure um, Kai Horseman yeah, it it might well be something they look at, but it also might just be a complete yeah. a complete coincidence. Oh, and Rob Baxter's very savvy, so it, would, it wouldn't Bar- surprise me. Uh, Byron McGuig- yeah, Byron Byron McGuig- 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 uh, Byron's not actually UQP. Oh no, of course he's Scottish. Yeah, he's actually yeah. Uh, Scottish qualified. So, sorry, I interrupted you talking about uh, the top four. Uh yeah, sorry. So I think Exeter will be there thereabouts, and I think um, the thing with Exeter, you know, they'll always push any team because they've got so much fight and, and want and drive for each other. Mm. That even if they're not having the best day, they'll they'll still push and, and really give give it everything. So I see them being in the top four and could potentially see them get into the final, depending on again who they beat in the semis. Um, I think they could they could potentially beat Wasps and uh, Sarries seem to be there a bit of their nemesis. They seem to not yeah. do so well against Sarries. They probably Chiefs probably run the ball more than most teams, and that kind of goes into what Sarries want you to do. Hmm. Um, and then the, the last place. Is who's there at the moment? Is it Bath that are in fourth at the moment? I think Bath are fourth. I, I thought they were going to drop drop out and Tigers take their place. Yeah, I mean it's a tough one, isn't it? Obviously Tigers are still there, even though they've had a lot of injuries. They're going to have some guys coming back in. Um, but then Bath are again. They, you know they've got George Ford coming back in at ten. Again, a lot of injuries there. Um, and it's it's going to be really interesting to see how it hots up over the next few weeks and who's going to grab that that fourth spot. Um, I could see Bath doing it with with George Ford at ten and leading them around the field, um, and Carnford to Elite at nine. You know they've got two two outstanding players there that have been there, done it, and have got all the experience. Yeah, you know, he, so, he is brilliant. Personally. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic player, and and you know with those two guys there at nine and ten, you know I don't think they're going to get they're going to get too worried. They're always going to know exactly what they're doing, and even if they go behind in the game, they've got that experience to to claw them back out of it. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. But I I fancy Bath to to hold on to it and they, they'll get a few guys back from injury and, and kick on yeah I, I wonder if some teams are built for winning a league like Wasps I think Wasps if it was just the old fashioned format would yeah. win the league yeah I agree with you I agree with you I think um, I think they would I think they would win a league I think when it gets to knockout rugby you know are they going to have enough to, to beat Saris on a on a one off yeah and that's the one isn't it can, can anyone beat Saris on a one off yeah it is and 
And I think with salaries, they do pay more, a lot more rugby than they used to, and teams will, um, yeah, teams will see that and notice that they they will play more than they used to. But they they don't really muck around in their own half and and they kick the ball a lot. So when you're playing a game, a, a game, a one-off game that's got that in it, there's a part of you that always wants to to bring the rugby to the game rather than just kick it again, kick yeah. it again. You know, inevitably the other team um, that are playing Saris tend to be the one that gets bored first and then Saris capitalise on the mistakes and that's what they're so, so good at. I'm glad you said that. It does strike me as just like frustration. Yeah, and that's what it will come down to sometimes, you know, and especially in one-off games, I think, is and that's where they're so good at it. In league games, sometimes, you know, teams, like, I think Gloucester did it a few weeks ago where they just played them at their own game. Mm. They just kicked it back, kicked it back, stayed patient, and in the end, Saris were the ones that broke. But usually, in one-off games, it's the other team, the team that's used to running the ball more, that will run it and then Sarri just capitalise on their mistakes yeah mate you've been absolutely awesome if I could give you one bit of advice it'd be do more media and do more podcasting <laughs> no I absolutely love it I've, you know, I've been on the radio a few times I love all the media side of it and and uh, I'm yeah always always open to any media or, or podcast stuff so there you go Dan Mugford available for hire <laughs> yeah absolutely Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Absolutely. Cheers, mate.